Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Our topic today is actually answering three questions, which, by the way, thank you very much for sending us emails. And these questions today are answered because of those emails. So the first question I'm going to answer is, who are the 144,000? I'll show you scriptural evidence, help you to understand it. And I'm going to keep it simple. Second question is, how do you know that the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place on Pentecost? I'll show you the scriptures. And also, the last seven months, an overview there explained. Now, this is our once a year a time where we're asking people to support Prophecy Club. You and I both know that we are not reaching anywhere near as many people as we need to be reaching. So many people out there have never even heard of the Prophecy Club, and also they're not interested in the last days. They don't think they need to be interested in the last days. They could care less. It's basically, wake me up when the last days arrive. That's their attitude. So if you want to help Prophecy Club, and if you get your donation to us or postmark on or before December 31st, it still counts toward your 2022 taxes. And as you can see, there's only about four days left to do that by the time you watch this, so we encourage you to help if you can. So if God has blessed you, and if you appreciate Prophecy Club, it's been a benefit to you, then uh, we would like for you to support. We would, we would appreciate your support. And Lord, bless those people who support us. Bless them powerfully in Jesus' name. Okay, first question. Who are the 144,000? I cannot tell you. This is probably one of the most confusing questions out there. People think that, I mean, like, was it the Seventh-day Adventists think they're going to be one of the 144,000? Who knows, maybe the, the, uh, the, the guys from Salt Lake City, maybe they think they're going to be one of the 144,000. I'm going to show you. No, that's not true. The 144,000 are not alive on the earth today. I'll show you scriptures. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to keep it simple here. First of all, we're only going to be covering, uh, for this first segment, just Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. Okay, Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. So it says, these are the feasts of the Lord. I promise to keep it simple. In the 14th day of the first month. So remember that, that's Passover. On the 15th day of the same month, that's unleavened bread. So Passover was one day. The very next three days is unleavened bread. And then it's first fruits. They're commanded to wave a sheaf. What's a sheaf? It's where you go out. In this case, it's barley, not wheat. And they gather up as much as they can hold in two hands. That's a sheaf. Gather up that barley, and then they cut it. Then they're going to go and wave that barley as an offering before the Lord. That's what they do. That's, that's essentially what's happening. In other words, if you want me to bless you, then you give the first 10% to me. That's what the scriptures say. And we know that barley we, uh, ripens before wheat. That's why we know it's barley, even though it doesn't say barley. All right, it says, And you shall offer an he lamb without blemish of the first year. So Passover, we understand. Remember the death, uh, the death angel passed over and killed all the firstborn that didn't have the blood on the doorpost. Then the unleavened bread, they didn't have time to let their bread rise, and so they had to grab their kneading troughs, and they're heading off. This is in the days of Moses. They're heading off to cross through the Red Sea. First fruits is actually when they cross through the Red Sea. Then it says, and on first fruits, you are to offer a he lamb as in a male lamb, but here's the key. It says, 
without blemish. That's the reason Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes or restraining clothes so that he could not scratch himself just like a lamb. Same thing, so that they cannot scratch themselves and then they're blemished and then they're not fit for sacrifice. They have to be perfect in order to qualify for sacrifice for God. A he lamb. So it had to be male, without blemish, of the first year. So that means all of the 144,000 All of them had to have died in their first year, or they're not qualified for this particular uh, feast. Now, this is first fruits. Now, let's go on. Then it says, now let's jump over to Revelation. Now, let me show you the secret door. You see this word right here, first fruits? This is in Leviticus. First fruits in Leviticus. Now, we'll jump over to Revelation. Here it is in Revelation, the same word. So, this is the front end of the secret door. This is the back end of the secret door. Remember, I I told you in the vision, I saw two books. I saw the book of Moses or the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And then I saw the book of Revelation. Between there, there was a yellow time tunnel. And in a millisecond, faster than a millisecond, he made me to understand that it was this word first fruits that linked the feasts of Leviticus to the revelations in Revelation, Revelation 14.4. So here we are looking at it. Now, understand this. He says, I looked and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Zion. That's not the Mount of Olives. This is not the end. This is about, at this point, about six months before Jesus returns. On Mount Zion, with him 144,000. Now, I'm going to show you why they can't be alive. 144,000 having his father's name written in the foreheads. Now, I take about 10 minutes. I could explain to you how God spoke to me there. But essentially, his father's name is going to be like, for example, as you recall, David and Bathsheba had an illicit uh, love affair and had a child from that. And that child died within the first seven days. Probably that's going to be one of the 144,000. And David will be on his forehead. We're actually written this way because it, uh, Hebrew is backwards. Anyway. Then it, come on down here. The other qualifications to be one of the 144,000. That's what I'm going to show you. They can't be alive right now. Okay. So these are they which are not defiled with women. Well, if they died in the first year, obviously they didn't have women. For they are virgins, obviously. They were redeemed from among men. Now you see that word right there? That is hinting that they are all dead. They, they are redeemed from among men being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And their mouth has found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. So anybody alive right now, if they've had sex with a woman, they're disqualified. If they have had any kind of sin in them, they're disqualified. They have to be without fault before the throne of God. The reason these 144,000 are qualified is because they died in their first year. They never learned to talk. They never got old enough to have a sin. So they get in because... They died in the first year. That is the feast of Leviticus of the first fruits. You have to have a, a, a lamb of the first year without blemish. Now, let's go on to the next one. Let me show you how this fits together. So, the first Passover was Moses and the blood on the doorpost, and then the kneading troughs that didn't have time to let the bread rise, and then they ran down to the, uh, uh, the Red Sea and they crossed over. That's first fruits. Then, of course, Jesus died on Passover. He spent three days in the grave, and he arose. Jesus was the first of those resurrected of them that slept. However, 
The 144,000, by the Bible says, they are the first fruits of the final harvest. That's actually scripture. They are first fruits of the final harvest, meaning Jesus was the first one that got the glorified body that we're going to all get when we come out of the grave. But of course, he gets even more glory. And then the 144,000 will get to be the first ones to get their glorified body. They would be the first ones of the end time harvest. Now, Let's tie that together with the seven-year chart so we can see it. So it starts with the first seal, second seal, third seal, all of these. These first seven seals play over seven years and stop here. The, sec, the, the, the trumpets, seven trumpets, play over seven months. And Apophis is probably on or about right in here. And then the vials play over the last seven days. Our interest is from here to here because this chart plays from here to off the chart, I'm not showing you that, right? I'll show you in a second. But from here to the very end, that's seven months. And then from here to the very end, that's seven months. So this is seven months. And in this chart, this on out to off the screen is seven months. Well, I'll show you that in a second. Okay, so this is the second part of that. This is the whole seven months from here, from first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, to um, atonement, to tabernacles. That's the let from here. See, this says the 17th day of the first month, and then this is the 15th day of the seventh month. So, in summary, what we're saying is when Jesus returns to Mount Zion, not Mount of Olives, when he returns to Mount Zion, he will resurrect 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. Now, a lot of people say, well, are they going to be in their one-year-old Jewish body? I don't know whether they'll come to a mature body or not. It might be more of a testimony if they were still in their one-year-old body. I mean, can you imagine, like, uh, what, what was it? Uh, David's child died, I think it was on the third day. <laughs> you know, yeah, a three-day-old child walking around, that might be a pretty good testimony. I, I don't know how that works. But I can tell you that they're all resurrected here on first fruits. Then they walk around with Jesus. They follow him whithersoever he goeth. He walks around with him for exactly 50 days. Then they go to the marriage supper of the Lamb on Pentecost. Now that brings us to the next question. How do you know the marriage supper of the Lamb happens on a Pentecost? Well, see, that's part of the, the, the mess up when people believe in a pre-trib rapture. Because they think that the rapture is taking them to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's wrong. Okay, I'm going to show you. Here's scripture. So back to the question. How do you know, absolutely positively know, that the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place on Pentecost. Here's your scripture. Exodus 19.1. In the third month, when the children of Israel gone forth out of the land of Egypt. So they just went through the Red Sea. The same day they went out of the wilderness. They came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they departed from Rephidim. I'm not going to explain that, but I've been there. We're come to the desert of Sinai, meaning they've just arrived at Mount Sinai. So they, this is the third month. That's the proof. Now, what does that tell us? Back up here to this chart. See right down here, there's only one feast that takes place in the third month, and I don't have the date on there, but it's, it's right here, okay? That's, there's only one feast. First fruits takes place in the first month, and then the feast of uh, trumpets takes place in the seventh month here. There's only one feast that takes place in the third month. It's easy. So the marriage supper of the Lamb, anybody would ask you, you now know, you now have scripture proving the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place in the third month. Here, I'll show you again. In the third month, when the children of Israel came out 
of the land of Egypt. They went through Rephidim and they came to Sinai and they pitched in the wilderness and they camped there before the mountain. And that would be Mount Sinai. You see what I'm saying? There's no question. Moses went up to God. God called him and said, look, speak unto the children of Israel. Here's what you tell them. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, drowning them into the sea, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself at Mount Sinai, which he's going to do again when the Ark of the Covenant is set on by the, by the Antichrist. All those that saw that and recognized that will then flee to about 216 miles south down to the real Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia, and there they will offer sacrifices of praise, not sacrifices of animals. They will all offer sacrifices of praise where they are supernaturally protected for the last three and a half years. Now, as you have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bury an eagle's wing and brought you on myself. Now, here's the marriage ceremony. This is the request for marriage. This is like the man getting down on one knee and offering the ring to his girlfriend and saying, will you marry me? This is God offering to marry the children of Israel. He says, if you will obey my voice indeed. So the guy on his knee might say, if you'll allow me to be your husband and to take care of you and to love you and to cherish you. See, okay. except for God is saying, if you'll obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you will be peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's the marriage offer. So he just made the offer. Now, here's what, what does the woman say at the marriage? Will you accept this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? She says, I do. Well, this is where we got it from. So he says, Moses came and called the elders of the children of Israel together, laid before them their faces all the word that the Lord had commanded. All the people answered together. Here it is. This is them accepting the marriage covenant and said, all that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. Now, today, we say, I do. I think that's where we got it. I think it's something like in the spirit. It's something in the marriage vow, and it came from God. Now, let me play this again. So, how do we know that the marriage supper of the Lamb happens on Pentecost? Because there's only one feast, only one feast that takes place in the third month. In the third month, they came to Mount Sinai. God said, I'll be your God if you'll be my people. And they said, we'll do. Today we say, I do. Now, let me put this into context here. Okay, Passover, unleavened bed, we've explained. I'll skip that. So the next time Jesus returns, he will return on first fruits, which is the 17th day of the month. When he returns, the primary thing he does is resurrect 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys to Mount Zion, not Mount of Olives. He does Mount of Olives when he returns over here on, on trumpets. So then they follow the Lamb with us wherever he goeth. They walk around for about 50 days, and probably what Jesus is trying to do is to convince the hard-headed Jews, based upon seeing 144,000, perhaps they are in their one-year-old, or maybe they're a three-month-old, or maybe three-day-old body. I don't know. But he's trying to convince them, look it, uh, you better stop sinning. You better repent. You better add, you re, better receive my blood because I am really the Messiah. I really died on the cross. You see, that's what he's going to be saying. So then on Pentecost, as you look right here, this is the new updated chart I put in here. This is when the everlasting gospel is preached. The saw another angel flying through the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell on the earth. 
And he cried with a loud voice, saying, Fear God and give glory in him that made heavens and the earth and the fountains of waters. And this is their last chance because the very next day, probably, Bible doesn't say it exactly, probably that's when, as Vicky Parnell was shown, as the bombs from the Russians come down, we go up. And that sounds wonderful to me. That sounds, that sounds about right. I'd like to see it that way. Got that? Bombs come down, we go up. Where do we go? This is not a rapture. This is not protecting anybody from being tested. They've already been through, well, seven years and at this point about four to seven to eight months of testing. This is at this point about four months before Jesus returns. Bombs come down, we go up. That's going to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and not everybody goes. The Bible in the, the parable says those that were ready went to the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. We only get a marriage wedding garment, and Jesus come forth and he serves us. This is where he's brought before the ancient days, and he's given a, a, a dominion, glory, and a kingdom. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. He's given many crowns, uh, a vesture dipped in his own blood, and then after the marriage supper of the Lamb, he and us and the armies in heaven are given white horses. We follow Jesus and the two angels with the sharp sickles that slash the grapes. That's the reason. Jesus with the morning star, as that morning star hits them, they fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones, destroying both body and soul. The two angels with grapes, <laughs> with, with sickles, slash the grapes, and that's the reason the blood rises at the horse bridles by the space of 1,600 furlongs. And as he returns, I've said this many times, I'll say it quickly, as the glory hits the tears, they fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones. As the glory hits the earth, it lights on fire, destroying all sins. As it hits us, out of our belly flows rivers of living water, and we flame on. We get our garments, our crowns, our rewards, everything, or all of our works are burned away. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you might be accounted worthy to escape the burning, is what it's saying, and to stand, meaning you made it through the burning, Luke twenty-one thirty-six. So then we return down here on the grape harvest, Armageddon for Armageddon. This is the judgment seat of Christ, and it's a judgment by fire in a moment in the twinkling of eye at the last trump. Then, ten days later, this is the great white throne. Jesus is the judge there. Yes, I know. A lot of people misunderstand. It's not at the end of 1,000 years. It's ten days after trumpets. Again, get my book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, and I'll explain it all to you. And this is only those that are dead not in Christ appear here. Then out here is tabernacles. This is five days later. The new Jerusalem comes out of heaven. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, the first earth were destroyed, and there was no more sea. I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven say, Behold, the tabernacle of his God is, will be, uh, is with him, and he shall be with these people, and they shall be, be with them, and God shall be their, their, their God. And I didn't quote that right. And God shall take away all our tears from their eyes. There should be no more death, no sorrow, no crying, no pain. No, there should be any more thing. All new world. At this point, we enter into eternity right here on trumpets. Then the earth is destroyed in a process of 10 days and remade no more sea. The new Jerusalem comes down and sets down on one mountain on the earth 
and there's only one mountain on the earth because now every hill has fallen, every valley has filled in, the crooked places are made straight, the rough places are made smooth, the earth is into a nice, round, smooth ball. And I'm running out of time. Let me get to my last question. So here's the last month's, oh, last seven months. We're just going to look at the last seven months explained. I'm going to try to keep it simple here. All right, now let me explain the whole last seven months in an overview here so you can get it all straight. Okay, Passover, unleavened bread, they've already been fulfilled. The next thing that happens as far as Jesus, he returns on first fruits. On first fruits, he is the first of those that arise from the dead to get their glorified body. And then he arrives, he comes down on first fruits. You, you, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus shall come in like manner. So he went up in a cloud. He comes down in a cloud. He went up in a non-glorified body. And, and I, I correct myself. He actually, he will turn down in a non-glorified body, probably wearing the same clothes. And so then he walks around. He resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. They follow the Lamb with us, so ever he goeth. This is when the everlasting gospel happens. And this is probably also on about around when Apophis is about to hit. As uh, Vicki Parnell was shown, as the bombs come down, we go up. And that actually kind of matches the scriptures, everything I see too. Then, so the bombs come down, we go up to the marriage, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is on Pentecost. This is all the new updated chart here. And if you order my charts, um, get, what you want to do is get the Watchman's package. That's the very, very best deal. You get all new, brand new charts. Anyway, so we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's not about us. Jesus comes forth and serves us, but we only get a wedding garment and a white horse. Jesus, the groom, is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He has given many crowns, a vesture dipped in his own blood, and a white horse. He then changes from becoming the Lamb of God to become the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He changes from the Prince of the Kings of the Earth to become the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And on his vesture and on his thighs, a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he comes forth and serves us for about four months. Then, four months later, it is now Armageddon. It's the grape uh, harvest here. We are given white horses as Jesus, the two angels, sickle, and also the armies in heaven. We return in tow behind Jesus. We do not fight. We are the bride of Christ. By the way, I know a lot of people teach, well, if you've accepted Jesus, you're, you're, you're the bride of Christ. Well, I got a question for that. If you don't go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, how are you the bride of Christ? If you didn't go to a marriage, how are you the bride? Okay, if you didn't make it to the marriage, you're not the bride. Okay, that, that's okay. That's the reason he says right down here, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord, henceforth ye saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. So they're still blessed. They still get all of their blessings, but they're not the bride of Christ. Okay, there's they missed some things. You gotta be ready. You gotta have your lamps trimmed. Okay, so when we return on white horses, this is the judgment seat of Christ. Dead or alive, all in Christ, whether they received him or even heard of him, if they were alive when Jesus could have been received, they all report to the judgment seat of Christ. At the judgment seat of Christ, this is when Jesus burns the tares, the two angels uh, wine press the grapes, 
the Great Awakening Blast, the Dead and Alive and All in Christ Report, they receive their wards, the cry, weep, gnash their teeth, the old heaven and the old earth is destroyed, new heaven and new earth is made about 10 days later at the Great White Throne is all concluded. At the Great White Throne, no one alive reports here. The only ones that report there are the dead. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the is the book. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And those people are judged according to the works. And the dead and the sea gave up the dead which in them, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. So. At the judgment seat of Christ, we are judged to pay upon our knowledge and following of Jesus, and we're judged by fire. Either you make it through or you don't. Over here, we're not judged by fire. We're judged by books. We're judged by works. These are the people that never had the opportunity to receive Jesus. These are only the dead report here. Then after the final judgment, which is atonement, then five days later, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there was no more sea. This is the new Jerusalem comes down. There was a water a river clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and the Lamb. All of that takes place right here at the new Jerusalem. So let me summarize. Next time Jesus returns, he comes down in a lamb body. He resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. They follow him and walk around for 144, excuse me, 144,000 walk around with him for 50 days. Then we all go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. About four months later, we return on a white horse with him to the judgment seat of Christ. Ten days later, we all, we're already in our glorified body, but we get to go and watch those that are not in Christ, the dead in Christ, judged based upon their works, based upon books. Five days later, it's New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Now, as I talked about the other day, a thousand years later, those people uh, that don't have their name in the book of life, then they are gathered around the new Jerusalem and fire from God out of heaven comes down, devoured them, and they're gone. They are giving up to a thousand years to live, but if they, if they sin one time, then morning star judge shows up at the speed of thought, hits them with the, with, uh, the morning star, they fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones destroying both body and soul. They can live up to a thousand years. These are the people that uh, a, a child can lead a lion. They put their hand in a cockroach's den and they're not hurt. They, they live to be the age of a tree. If they thought to have died at a, a hundred years old, thought to have died as a, as a child. Okay, So they live a long time. This is the best wine. He saved the best wine for last. But that's not us. We get to live in the New Jerusalem. We can go out on the earth, some of us. And he that overcometh shall make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh then out of heaven from my God, and write upon him my new name. Some of us never leave the New Jerusalem. Some of us do. Some of us live in houses out on the earth someplace. Some of us spend the rest of eternity in the New Jerusalem. And my servants shall serve me and see, shall see my face. My name shall be in his forehead. So I recommend you get the Watchman package. And here's what that is. You get two. These are two foot by three foot charts, like one hanging up behind me here. Two foot by three foot charts. 
You also get five discs of me teaching through the book of Revelation, and you get five copies of my book, plus this book, which is where I wrote out the book of Revelation, okay, memorizing it, has all my notes. Often the, you can see like my notes off on the sideline there. All my notes, what I think. If you were to say, what's, what one thing would you like to hand down to your children? I'd say this book. This book and this book because this is all of my notes. All of my notes to help you understand Bible prophecy. 